0: And welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter by chapter read of Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is
1: Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing Book 2, Chapter 10 The Breaking of the Fellowship, Exploring Corruption in Community.
0: Can you believe that we're at the last chapter of Book 2? Final chapter. It's wild. It is wild. I know that we talked about this last episode, but it's really sinking in that we're like, we're in it now. The book is over. The book is over.
1: And it ends in such a good way.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, it's been a minute since I have read these books, but was there anything that surprised you about this chapter?
1: I I think Sam is such the hero in this chapter. Mm -hmm. And you really see him... Like in the moment where he decides and he he realizes like what Frodo's feeling, what he's thinking, he he it's like he's one step ahead of everybody else mentally, and then mm-hmm. with that is able to come back and get with Frodo and get in the boat and accompany him. And we you miss that in the movie, you don't get to see Sam's amazing powers of deduction and his extreme empathy for Frodo. And I was like, wow. It's so nice. He, he is the perfect companion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that was one thing that surprised me or that I didn't really remember in this way right. from this chapter is, one, Sam being so on top of things. I think he, in the movie, they sort of make him more of like the comedic foil or like the loyal foil a bit more as opposed to really being his own, in his own right, a protagonist. And the other thing that surprised me was Aragorn being so, that Aragorn is so willing to kind of call Boromir out, and he's really frustrated with him for the decisions that he makes in the chapter, which we'll discuss. And so he kind of puts him on blast a little bit about that. And I hadn't remembered that there was that level of interaction, and again, that doesn't happen in the movie. So I was surprised by that. I didn't remember from the first reading.
1: Yeah, it's um, it allows everyone's characters to be filled out a bit more, um, which is not surprising. Normally, that's what the books do in comparison to the movie. But I like seeing Aragorn step into his his kingliness a little bit there and be like, "I'm the leader, and you, you got a, you got something to say? Is that it? Is that all you want to say in this moment?" Boromir's mm-hmm. like, "Yes, that's all I want to say."
0: <laughs> Sad Boromir. Sad
1: Boromir.
0: <laughs> you did this yeah Mm -hmm. there's very little pity for you only accountability right well i think that's a good lead-in then to kind of the theme of today and some of what we're going to discuss but before we get to all that ellen do you have a story for us
1: i do and i had a hard time thinking of a of a good story this for this week along the theme of corruption and Mm -hmm. so i was thinking You know, what are the corrupting influences on our world, money, power? I kind of thought, you know, social media, that's something that sort of corrupts people and can corrupt their way of thinking. And then reflecting on myself, I did realize that, you know, young Alan was sort of a power-hungry heathen who should not have been (laughs) trusted in leading a group of peers Um, and so I thought about, like, some of the maybe more corrupt decisions I, I could have made as a-, as a child. And But in the pursuing years, since really being an 11-year-old tyrant, I have become more principled with one exception. We will talk about that today. So my freshman year of college was not particularly principled time in my life. I was even known to consume alcohol now and again, even though I was underage, and in particular, one night uh, my friends and I we were having a grand old party in the freshman dorms. We were celebrating a friend's birthday, and although we were loud, we were really we were raucous. Uh, none of the RAs, um, and RAs are their older students who live in the dorms to sort of keep some semblance of order in exchange for, for free housing. None of the RAs, you know, came and came knocking. We, we were able to party all night long, and we had a really good time. And so the next morning, we were in that same room where the party had been, with the door ajar, and we were really just reliving our thrilling exploits from the prior night and reveling in our success of a job well done and a party well hosted when R.A. Paul knocked on the door and poked his head in to wish the birthday girl a happy birthday, because Paul was just, he was so thoughtful. He was he was one of our best R.A.'s. And Paul made it through about half a sentence through his happy birthday wishes before he saw the open bottle of wine on the desk by the door with really, like, barely half a glass worth's amount remaining. And so... Paul looked at the wine, we all looked at the wine, Paul looked at us, we looked at Paul, we all looked back at the wine, and he did this big sigh and said, sigh, I'm, I'm going to have to write you all up, aren't I? And so we really seized on what I viewed of this moment of his hesitation and launched into like a full explanation of why he certainly would not have to write us up and it was only a little bit of wine and we weren't even drinking it. We would never underage drink and someone else must have left it here from the night before. And, you know, if he wanted it, he could have it. In fact, please, Paul, take the wine. But Paul was just really unmoved by our sort of pathetic bribery and other protestations and proved himself to be truly uncorruptible. And so looking back on this now in my wise old age, I think the reason we couldn't corrupt Paul for breaking the rules was because he was older. I think he was maybe even like 25, 26, 27. Um, like he was, he was much older. And he understood the stakes. Our punishment for underage drinking. Was to either plan a group event for the kids in our dorm, the other uh, freshmen, uh, or write an essay about our foolish decision making. And we ended up planning a Valentine's Day making event, fun fact. But Paul had his job and his housing on the line. And he was able to sort of weigh these outcomes and stay true to his values and did end up writing all of us up. And so, how this relates to the chapter. You know, I get that Boromir has evil magic working against him, but to me, it seems like Frodo is Paul, and he can see the bigger picture and the higher stakes, and Boromir is the collection of me and my three girlfriends, you know, 18 years old, short-sighted, and a bit mad with power, and thus more easily corruptible than those who can look to, to the bigger picture.
0: That is an amazing story. <laughs> and it's it's a very good tie into the chapter. I think a lot of things about that. Mm. I think importantly though, is the evolution from that place. And what's concerning for our friend Boromir is that he's like devolving, right? Mm-hmm. Or his his motivation has started out to his mind as Pure as good but that's become so twisted by the presence of the ring that the the intent feels similar so it's it seems like a natural next step from where he's been you know gondor being his his people his country he he you know pays attention to them and to their needs but it's being as we state corrupted by the the evil influence of the ring so that the from the outset It may not seem as though to himself he's slipping so far from grace, and yet it's noticeable to everyone else around him. And I think you've sort of, well, one, your brain has just developed, you know, beyond that space, but also that you're evolving from a space of corruption or from a more corruptible stance to being an adult.
1: Yeah, the the bloodthirsty drunk with power impulse has left me but the the ring has brought it out in boromir because it's it, you know the ring is sauron sauron and the ring are they, they are of the same make mm-hmm. you know so he has he has this outside influence that yeah as you said he thinks he's doing what's right and he thinks this is the the right plan but frodo can see the the bigger stakes and the further the the long Frodo has the long view and boromir is looking for like the next three months
0: Hmm. right right
1: well so we we've talked a little bit about about boromir and about our two i think stars of the chapter sam and aragorn but what else happened in the chapter can you walk us through through the highlights
0: mm-hmm So the company makes camp, and Aragorn is kind of restless through this process, just aware that they're being pursued, um, and so he really can't quite get settled, and ultimately Sting, the sword, not the singer, confirms that orcs are near, and so this plays into Aragorn's concern, and ultimately the company really has to decide their path. Where are we going? How are we getting there? And so they come together to make this decision and seem to really defer or focus on Frodo's concerns, Frodo's opinion about how to move forward. Frodo states that he needs an hour to consider the choice and separates from the group. And this is interesting, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about it later, but Sam seems to know instantly which is the right path. And so some of those motivations for Frodo taking this time become maybe clearer later in the chapter. Boromir approaches Frodo while Frodo is thinking about the appropriate choice and attempts to persuade and then ultimately to take the ring from Frodo. Frodo puts on the ring and runs away from Boromir. He ends up in the Amon Hen, and Frodo sees many things, including the Eye, which watches him from the Tower of Sauron. Frodo finally recovers himself and takes off the ring and ultimately decides to leave the company on his own. Uh, Meanwhile, the company discusses the path that they need to take while waiting for Frodo. Aragorn appoints himself, Gimli, and Sam to aid Frodo and the rest of the company to go with Boromir to Minas Tirith. When Boromir returns to the circle without Frodo, the company panics and splits up to search for Frodo. Aragorn, unimpressed by Boromir, sends him to watch out for Merry and Pippin. And ultimately, Sam, as we noted at the top of this episode, discovers that Frodo is trying to leave the company on his own and races to go with him and uh, ultimately throws himself into a river which we know that he cannot swim to get into the boat to go with Frodo. And that's kind of where the chapter leaves us is the, the fracturing of our company.
1: Yes, they are fractured. And I love the last line. Quote, then shouldering their burdens, they set off, seeking a path that would bring them over the gray hills of the Emyn Mule and down into the land of shadow. Bum, bum, bum. It's just such a good ending. It also is all Sam and Frodo do. So weather alert between now and the end of the trilogy <laughs> <laughs> shoulder their burdens and try to find a path
0: <laughs> through the land of shadow yes next two books are about that and by books i mean like the physical yes. copies of the books mm-hmm. not the the segments within
1: that's all that's really all they get up to <laughs> right so and we won't we won't say how it ends if you for some reason don't yet know but that is all they do for the, the next mm-hmm. long while
0: yeah, so gear up because mm-hmm. it's a <laughs> it's a journey literally and and figuratively. Okay, so that's what happened, the facts of the chapter, but where did you see examples of today's theme in the chapter?
1: The first example I saw was during the the altercation between Boromir and Frodo before you know things really escalate and Boromir is walking through Frodo but also sort of talking to himself what he hopes to achieve with the ring and Frodo says quote were you not at the council because we cannot use it and what is done with it turns to evil." And this is just really driving home the fact again that the ring can only do evil. Like, goodness cannot be accomplished with this ring. And I, I tried to think of something in our world that I could use as a metaphor here and, you know, tie it back to. But I couldn't. I couldn't think of anything. And then I was reading a bit on Tolkien, and I learned that he hates allegory. So I was like, well, we're going to stop trying to look for deeper meaning on that one, and we will just agree that the ring turns everything it touches to evil. And then a couple pages later, on page 449, this is where Boromir really shows his corruption and his demeanor flips from friendly and a little bit crazy and we're talking about my plans to give it to me now I will take it from you and the exact quote here is Boromir is saying now in a softer voice why not get rid of it why not be free of your doubt and fear you can lay the blame on me if you will you can say that I was too strong and took it by force For I am too strong, you halfling, he cried. And suddenly he sprang over the stone and leapt at Frodo. His fair and pleasant face was hideously changed. A raging fire was in his eyes. And that's like the climax for Boromir. Because we've been hinting at it over the past few chapters. You know, even in Lothlorien, he's... uh, Looking at Frodo with a strange gleam in his eye and asking him, What did Galadriel do in your mind? And he's muttering on the boat with Pippin and Mary, and it's all sort of building to this moment where his face changes and it's hideously changed. And I thought that that word changed is the closest we could get to the word corrupted here, you know, because corruption to me speaks to something that was once good or was meant to. To be used for good, but then is changed and is corrupted and is turned to to evil or to to badness or for, for ill use. And so here is where I really see that Boromir has been corrupted. And then the last example that I saw in this action-packed chapter is on page 451. And this is when, as you talked about in your recap, Frodo's on top of the hill. He still has the ring on because he put it on to escape Boromir. And he's sitting up at the top of this hill and he's looking out. And suddenly he feels the eye. Eye is looking. It's searching for him. You know, when he has the ring on, he's like a beacon. It's like he's, everything else is in grayscale. And he is in neon, you know, as Sauron looks out. So he, he sort of knows where he is. He's trying to find Frodo part of him is saying great i want to keep the ring on i will bring it to you and then there's another part of him that's sort of pulling against that that's saying take it off take it off take off the ring and both of these voices are warring in his head and then the book tells us quote frodo neither the voice nor the eye free to choose and with one remaining instant in which to do so he took the ring off his finger and this to me is showing that although the the ring is wearing on Frodo and although it is giving him, you know, some of these additional powers and stuff as he becomes slowly, slowly more, more wraith-like, he is not yet corrupted. He has not been turned to evil. He is still fighting against that urge that the ring is putting on him and he's able to take the ring off and stay hidden. So... I liked that we we saw that the ring corrupts, Boromir is corrupted, and yet Frodo, having been closest to the ring the longest, still is not.
0: What do you make of Frodo's decision that shortly after this is when he decides that he's going to go it alone, and um, he is not sure who he can trust, and the people that he trusts he cares too much about, and so he sort of makes this decision to, to go it alone. I'm wondering what you make of that decision, given that of the next, you know, two books, Sam is the, the outside force that reminds Frodo what is good and right in the world. He is, throughout the rest of the books, pretty uncorruptible. What would it look like if Frodo doesn't have that? And and what does it mean to have a constant reminder of something good that's pretty stable um, when you're trying to make decisions like this?
1: I think the ring is trying to get Frodo to go to Mordor by himself because then he's easier to catch. There is no force sort of holding him up, and it's just him and the ring walking closer and closer to Sauron. So I think that Sam coming and then when Frodo realizes that he has to come because he's in the boat and can't say no to Sam, he is happy. He's like, "Oh, yay, Sam, you know, I actually I am glad that you're coming." So that that's my hypothesis is that the ring wants Frodo to fail and it he would cert almost certainly fail if he were on his own without the touchstone of his
0: Sam. Right. I think that's an interesting concept. I'm having a lot of thoughts. One is that I think we underestimate the power of influence we have over others and that the power of influence people have on us. And so to me, it seems like this chapter is reminding us that not one person can do something alone and to be mindful about who you keep in close confidence. And I think Frodo doesn't really make the choice here, other than to be sort of amused or bemused by by Sam's loyalty. But I think Sam's choice here is one that's purely selfless, and something that then really counteracts the, or staves off the influence of the ring. And I think That's something that I'm thinking about Mm -hmm. as I walk away Mm -hmm. from this chapter is like, who's going to be the person or who are going to be the people that remind me to make the choice that staves off a ring's influence?
1: Yeah, Sam really does make the selfless choice here. And we talked about it. Well, you you mentioned it during your, your recap. Everyone else is discussing what to do. And literally nobody else is like, well, we should probably take the ring to Mordor. Everyone else was like, "I would really rather not," mm-hmm. and I would rather Frodo didn't either. But me, like, I'm done. I didn't say I would go any further, and I don't. I don't really want to. Which I I liked getting that insight and seeing that the rest of the the team is sort of they they're saying that they will go if they have to, but their support for the cause is flagging, even if their support for Frodo is not. For Sam to make that completely selfless choice and go with him it means a lot it's heartwarming and you want to look for those
0: people in your own life it feels also like the company kind of misunderstood this the assignment yes mm-hmm. that they're like they're already kind of done yeah and if we remember they have been through a lot right like they've They've traveled up and back Karadras. They've dealt with a Balrog and the death of a a company. And they've journeyed past where many of them have been before. But knowing what we know about what's to come, this has been kind of the cushy part of the journey. Mm -hmm. And to have people be like, "Mm, I'm out. (laughs) This was more than I thought it was going to be. It is a little concerning, given that there's so much left for them to do.
1: Yeah, just you wait. We're about to...
0: (laughs) we're about to get in it. Right. We're about mm-hmm. to be all up in this evil. So mm-hmm. y'all had better like find some additional reserves because this is this is the beginning, not the end.
1: And they do and everyone and everyone pulls through, but I like that we get to see this moment of the the community support lagging a bit and um i think part of that is because they don't have a leader Hmm. frodo doesn't want to lead them to mordor aragorn is also like my destiny is not there it is elsewhere so he's not rallying the troops gandalf is gone it's hard for the collective to get excited about something difficult without somebody to to pump them up
0: if they would listen to sam (laughs) Right. Sam, the motivational speaker, knows exactly what's going on. I know.
1: Ugh, I just, I love the moments where he's reasoning through how Frodo is feeling and what he's thinking. And he's like, no, I don't think you got it right. I think this is what he's actually concerned about.
0: And that he knows that the the, the reason he asks for that time is more or less to process the the magnitude of the decision he's about to make and that Frodo is scared Mm -hmm. of what's about to come, and Sam is so attuned to that beyond anything else. It feels like Sam's superpower is his empathy, where everybody else has all of these things that are tactical and advantageous to the group in that sense. It's Sam's empathy that ends up being the crucial component of the success of of Frodo, Mm -hmm. at least in this moment and possibly in moments to come.
1: Sam is the hero of this tale.
0: (laughs) Hot take. Hot take. Uh, This is now a Samwise Gamgee fan club. Yeah. And that's going to be the remainder of our conversation. Yes. This a podcast. Yes. So do you have any talking with Tolkien to share with us today? I think just to kind of put a fine point on the... The excellence of Sam as him and Frodo are discussing whether he's gonna go or not, and Sam's threatening to punch holes in all the boats so that Frodo can't leave on his own. <laughs> he says originally, quote, Safely, said Sam, all alone and without me to help you, I couldn't have borne it. It had been the death of me. Aww. Just a nice sweet baby Sam. <laughs> I love Sam. Okay, so those were some themes. Good discussion there. Ellen, do you have an action item for us today?
1: Yes, so for for my action item today, in our world, this real world that we're all inhabiting, we don't have a one ring to defeat as our corrupting influence. But there are still plenty of opportunities for humans to make corrupt decisions. And so today's action item go online and look up the members of your local government. Most of us, I would assume, know who's in charge of our countries or our larger areas where we live, but we may not know who's making all of the decisions a bit closer to home. So look up a city council member or a school board member And become familiar with their stances, their actions, their positions. And because there's no way to fight corruption without accountability, you can either write them a letter saying what you like about what they're doing or what you wish they would do differently. Or if you are eligible, go register to vote. Better yet, grab a friend and go register to vote together because we know that building strong relationships is the best way to strengthen your community. And in this case, hold people that are your representatives and your leaders to accountability.
0: I love that. I love voting. We love voting. I mean, you you know this about me, but I love voting so much. And I'm thinking about this too. If you have capacity not only should you vote, but perhaps you should become a poll worker. I did that for the very first time last year. And it was a really interesting way to learn about my community to be helpful. And of course we were in the midst of a pandemic. So there are some additional nuances to that experience due to that, but it was a really rewarding experience and you do get paid for it. So if that's something that's also of interest, Definitely volunteer to be a poll worker.
1: Wow, this is great. We have like a three-point choose-your-own-adventure anti-corruption community-building action item.
0: Right. Choose what makes the mm-hmm. most sense for you, but certainly feel compelled to to make all three yes. if that's something that you're able to do. We love to see it. Civic-minded. Love a good vote. Mm-hmm. Love a good I voted sticker. Yes. <laughs> I love chatting with all the workers now that I'm one of them, mm-hmm. getting to know their stories. Mm-hmm. Just like... Ugh, it's the best. Okay, well, obviously, I love this action. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for reminding us that not only can we be, can we be kind of uh, corruption monitors in our own life, but that we also have many of us options and avenues to do that for our community as well Mm -hmm. and so to be really intentional about engaging in those spaces because when we are living in a community when we are proximate to an issue we are most likely to be able to identify reasonable solutions or solutions that best fit that concern so establishing a good line of communication through these formal avenues like voting or through more of an informal avenue with emailing or calling, engaging those community members is a great way to make sure that you're playing an active role in our collective.
1: Today's podcast was brought to you by Sam Gamge's Swim Lessons. Learn now before it's too late. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dong. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. This has been Go Vote
0: LOTR edition. The League of Hobbit Voters. I would be about that. Our new spinoff podcast is looking at LOTR from a public <laughs> policy standpoint. Could it be nerdier?
1: Yes, how could we have outmaneuvered Sauron yes, without war, <laughs> oh but instead with the ballot?
0: With the ballot and the ring is like campaign mm-hmm. finance.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh my god.
0: Stop us now. Very on brand for both of us. <laughs> yes it would it would be yikes oh man (laughs) whoop 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 book two done